Welcome to the Kingdom Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Anderson, and I help exhausted moms put an end to what's stressing them so they can regain control of their life. Be sure to check out our popular free training, The Ultimate Mom Binder, at kingdommompodcast.com. And be sure to join our free Facebook group, Mom Binder Masters. Also, we offer a paid online coaching community. If you need life coaching as a mom, we offer an affordable option to help you live the life you want. You ready to take back your territory, Kingdom Mom? Let's begin. Hey, hey, Kingdom Moms. It's Lindsay here. Uh, Welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about homeschool a little bit more. So I had a request. Uh, We pulled everyone inside of MomBinder Masters. Oh gosh, it's been about a month ago. And they asked me to record more episodes specifically about homeschooling. So we've been doing that. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, just like setting your vision for homeschooling and how that is super important and that, um, you know, an emotionally and spiritually healthy parent um, automatically teaches those things to their children. And that it's really important to have a reason Um, and a vision behind your parenting and specifically behind your homeschooling. Today, I wanted to get more into the nitty gritty of how we actually do homeschool. What does it actually look like for us in our house? Um, The style of homeschooling that we uh, use and then also what an actual week looks like in our homeschool schedule. So this is definitely something that has uh, shifted. I'm, I'm talking about our schedule shifting. The way we homeschool and the vision behind our homeschooling has not changed but the schedule has definitely changed. So when I started homeschooling, I was only homeschooling one child, and now uh, I'm homeschooling three children. So that looks very different. Um, But also when I was only homeschooling one child, um, almost constantly for the last, oh gosh, for the first six years of my homeschooling, I had a toddler running around or a baby <laughs> infant while I was homeschooling. So we're going to talk about what did that look like logistically as well. So this is the first year that I don't have a toddler running around. All of my kids are kind of old enough now, um, but uh, I'm homeschooling three kids all at once. So let's talk about that. So first I want to talk about what style of homeschooling that we use. And uh, we talked about this before, and if you are new to homeschooling or you've started researching homeschooling, you maybe have started to realize that there's different styles of educating your children. So for example, you have traditional school model. You have traditional school at home, right? Meaning that you're really doing it like a a maybe a nine to three o'clock, maybe not necessarily that time frame because you know you're you're at home so it's a little bit more efficient, but you're doing, you know, uh, math and then you're doing uh, history and then you're doing science and you're kind of following uh, that same model that is currently used in the public school system. Okay, then you might have somebody who does more of a Charlotte Mason approach. If you don't know Charlotte Mason, that is more using living literature books. Okay, and learning through reading and through literature. We have people who do uh, Montessori. We have people who do all sorts of different, they do unschooling, which uh, means they take just a more, um, not a relaxed approach. I think unschoolers are sometimes um, misunderstood, if you will. Um, 
<clears throat> but it's less structured and it's more student-led learning where the student decides kind of what it is that they want to learn about. Um, and there's not necessarily like deadlines and different things like that. So they take more of an unschooling approach, which works really, really great for some for some kids and for some parents. So I always believe that you got to find which which uh, educational style works best for you as the parent and for your kids. So it's not just a, it's not always just about choosing the educational style that works for each individual student, right? But you also need to find an education style that you enjoy teaching, that you enjoy learning alongside your children. And I actually accidentally stumbled upon our way of learning. So we classically educate. So the classical model is another way of educating. And it's actually how they used to educate back in the olden days. <laughs> um, so, you know, back during the medieval period or even I I actually just realized that Jesus would have been educated classically. He would have gone, uh, you know, to like Torah school where he would memorize scripture for those first few years of their life. And then if, if kids continued on with school, it was specifically boys um, that went to school during that day, um, you know, back, back in the olden days. And then they would dig into scripture a little bit more and learn about like, what are the different schools of thought about the Torah? They would learn that as they got a little bit older. And then they'd maybe learn if they continued on, they'd learn how to teach Torah. They learn, they'd, they'd go study under a specific rabbi, right? And so that kind of actually follows the classical model. So the classical model of education uh, goes along with the way that we naturally learn things um, and also with our children's developmental stages. So at those first few years, that's the grammar stage. And by grammar, I don't mean like English grammar. I mean like learning the uh, words and the language of something. So for example, if I was going to learn how to play baseball, I need to first understand what a ball, a baseball is, a bat. I need to know what the bases are, right? I need to um, understand what, I need to have uh, vocabulary like home run, right? Or strike, ball, walk, shortstop. I need to have that uh, grammar, right? I need to understand the language. Uh, so we do a lot of, in those younger years, we do a lot of memorization, right? We do a lot of memorization and just introduction to terms, okay? Then as they get older, uh, how many of you have noticed like when your kids get to like, I don't know, that fourth grade age, like really kind of starts at eight, I think, but at like 10, they really start to question things. And they're they're not just blindly obeying anymore. They have some questions about why you were choosing this certain strategy with them, mom and dad, right? And that's actually uh, just a natural part of how they are growing and developing and their brains developing. They start to just not blindly accept things. They, they're starting to question why and this is where we help them become good thinkers we help them think through things logically um, this is a great time to actually teach your children 
logic or at least intro to logic so that they can determine logical fallacies so that they can learn what is a sound logical argument, right? This is a great time to start doing that. And then they start to dig in more to these things that they've been learning and memorizing for years and years and they start to make these connections with things and they start to ask questions you know they might uh, this uh this week we were talking about justinian the great and uh you know they might recognize that name because they memorized it years ago but now they're going to find out who was justinian the great why was he called justinian the great uh, where does this fit in in the timeline of the entire world, right? Um, why was this important? How did this change world history, right? They're going to kind of dig in and find out a little bit more. And then as they get even older, I would say more these high school years, that's when they reach the, uh, by the way, this middle, this kind of middle section for like, you know, 10 to, I don't know, 14 years old, that kind of, that middle age, if you will, we call that the dialectic stage. And then as they get to like high school age, they go into more of a rhetoric stage. This is where they're learning how to take their thoughts and their logical arguments and their their opinions that they've learned to really think through. You know, they don't just ha- form opinions, you know, on the fly. They've really thought through them. They learn how to articulate that and share it with other people, right? And they learn how to have really good discussions. So that's the that's the model that we follow. And we specifically use uh, the curriculum classical conversations and we do classical conversations in community. And what that means is, is that once a week, we meet on Tuesdays, once a week we go and we spend time with other people who are doing classical conversations and we we hang out with them and we do kind of a, a school day together if you will, okay? So we, the tutor of the class, which is a mom, she's the lead learner of the class, she will introduce all of the new memory work that we're gonna be doing that day. Um, uh, somebody who's teaching the older kids, like the high schoolers, they're leading discussion throughout the day. They're, they're discussing all of the things that they've worked on throughout the week. And then kind of in these middle ages, we're doing a little bit of both, right? We're doing a little bit of both. Uh, they're learning how to write papers and do all of these things as well. Um, so, and how to, you know, form logical arguments. They're, they're doing a bunch of things. But we spend the entire day together once a week, and then we go home and work individually with parents as the the lead teachers for the rest of the week and really the parents are the lead teachers on community day too it's just that we're in community with other uh classical conversations people right so um that is that's the academic um foundation for our homeschool as we use classical conversations and we've used that since my young or since my oldest was in kindergarten and I accidentally stumbled upon it I had no idea I didn't the classical model when I was actually looking at different models I never would have thought that I would have done the classical model because it seemed really confusing and hoity-toity to me I don't know it seemed like it seemed over my head I didn't quite understand it until I actually saw it like uh practically and like actually saw what a community day looks like and what it looks like at home. And then I realized, oh my goodness, this is super efficient. 
I don't know if you know me in real life you know I love things that are efficient and maybe you've gathered this since I teach time management and budgeting and the mom binder I love things that make everything more efficient I don't like doing extra things that don't make any difference (laughs) okay so I loved classical education for its efficiency why because all of my kids are kind of learning the same thing at the same time just at different levels okay This is another reason why people like Charlotte Mason. Again, your entire family is kind of learning that same thing at the same time. But also, um, I like that we, the classical model also kind of brings in a little bit of that Charlotte Mason where we do a lot of reading books. Uh, There's a lot of reading, especially kind of in those later years. They do a lot of reading, but we read together as a family about the history, about the historical events that we're learning. We read about the science. We read about the geography. We read about all of these things. So they're getting like extra layers of learning and it really, really sticks. So that's the core. That's what we do. So what does this logistically look like? Okay. Well, when I just had one kid... Um, it looked a lot like we would just go to community day and we'd come home, we'd work on our memory work. She was in kindergarten. Like we weren't doing a ton of stuff. We were maybe working on, you know, our phonics. We would do phonics and I had, um, a little math, like just adding, like adding and subtracting with manipulatives. That's what we worked on when she was in kindergarten and like writing her name, just working on holding a pencil, you know, all of those things that, you know, a kindergartner uh, will do. So homeschooling really did not take us very much time when I just had one kid in kindergarten doing it. Okay. Now, that was beautiful because I was then able to take care of the babies that were happening, right? (laughs) And I had a very, very busy toddler. My middle child was a very busy toddler at that time. So it was beautiful. But then it was really, really easy to add another child into the homeschooling, uh, you know, a few years later. So by that time, I probably had, what, a, a second grader and then a kindergartner, okay? And so they're both working on that same memory work. And so I loved that part because it was efficient. That the, the bulk of our curriculum, we were doing together. And then, uh, you know, we'd work separately on things like phonics and math, okay? Now, our schedule has shifted every single school year. Our schedule has shifted. There's been a few things that remain constant. Number one is... I have them um, do math all year long. We do math all year long. We don't actually take a break for math. And this is currently how I'm doing it. I might change this as my oldest gets older. But um, what I have found personally for myself is being a year-round homeschooler, what it looks like for us is we do things like reading and math all year long. We don't stop doing those things. We do take a complete month off in December. We take the entire month off of December. We do not do any math. We might do some reading in December, but it's just for fun. It's not it's not anything school related. We take the entire month off so that we can enjoy the holidays. And then we also take um, the entire month of July off because for our family, we like to go visit relatives and we travel a lot in July. So we take those um, 
months completely off. And then during the actual traditional school year, which would be like August through May for us, we are a part of our classical conversations community. And then we also currently go to a fine arts co-op once a week which is on Thursdays, and that's where they do their extracurriculars. So uh, they're in choir, they're in band. My kids are not sports kids. We've put them in sports, we had them do soccer, we've had them try uh, dance and different things, and they just never loved it. And they always loved more of the fine arts. They wanted to be in drama. So they go, they do choir, band, art, drama, and they take like some music theory classes and different things like that. They do all of that on Thursday. So we have like just one day of extracurriculars. Okay, so I want to share with you right now, homeschooling three kids, what our day, what our week looks like. Okay, so Mondays are definitely a school day. My goal is to start school by nine o'clock and my kids know this. They need to be ready, be at our dining room table at nine o'clock. That is when we start school. Make sure you've eaten your breakfast. Do all of these things. Um, I like the nine o'clock start time because I tend to get up about seven and it gives me time to like wake up, have a a relaxed morning. If you know, if I want to go for a walk or do anything, I can do that. Um, And then at nine o'clock, the first thing that we start with, and friend, I did not always do this, but I really, really encourage you Start your day with Bible study. Every single day that we are home, we start our day with God's word. And right now, um, we, we have done different Bible studies, like actual Bible studies. But right now, we're literally just focusing on reading the Bible all the way through. And so we're in Samuel right now. We're in 1 Samuel. Um, it might take us a couple of years, honestly, as a group to get through the entire Bible, but we're rolling with it because I want my kids to have read the entire Bible. And so we're doing that. And then we have a little bit of discussion about it. I have one of them lead prayer. And I have found that it just, it postures our heart to have a good day. If my kid comes to that dining room table and they're grump, okay, if if they're grump, (laughs) they tend to have softened by the time we talk about God and pray. And if I come to the table as a grump, they tend to, I tend to have softened (laughs) and calmed down by the time we talk about God and pray. Okay, then we move into our memory work. So all of my kids this year are in the foundations program for classical conversations. That means they're all still, it's the only year that this is going to happen. They're all still in that memory, memorization um, place. My oldest is also in their essentials program okay but my all three of them are in the foundations program so we work on that memory work together okay now I have a much higher expectation of my 11 year old to have that information memorized than I do my four-year-old okay my four-year-old I'm just happy if she's excited about singing the songs right I do not have a lot of required of her. Um, and then while we are working on maybe some more in-depth conversation, I might have the four-year-old color a picture about, you know, the history that we're learning or something. So I have, there's a lot of resources with classical conversations online like where you can like um, print off color, color pages. So I do that. Okay. So um, then um, 
we kind of it, that how how long that takes depends on the time of week, right? So um, this is Monday. This is the day before, right before we go learn new material. My kids usually have their memorization completely down by Monday, so we just really go through it quickly. Then we will usually do math. Okay, so I'll take some time to work with my 11-year-old and just kind of get her going with what she's doing for math. And then I'll take some time, work with my uh, 8-year-old. And while they're waiting for their, you know, sibling, um, the 8-year-old might be doing some copy work, right? She's working on writing down her history sentence, for example. Okay, so just different things like that. And then once they've completed math, then uh, I have my eight-year-old work on. She is still going through. We use uh, Explode the Code for like phonics. Uh, they're just cheap little books. You can find them on Amazon. They are, I love them. I find them very, very effective. So I have her go do a couple of pages and Explode the Code. She can actually do that independently. She doesn't need me. And then that is when me and my nine-year-old, we sit down and we work on our essentials work. So um, essentials is a, a program through classical conversations and they work on, sorry, I have to close my door. I'm, I'm in my, my master closet right now. That's the quietest place to record these podcasts. So that's where I'm at. I'm hiding from my children for just a minute before we start school. It's actually 830 in the morning. So I do things like record podcasts before we start for the day. Anyway, um, so the essentials program they work on english grammar like actual grammar like you know what's an adjective what's the subject what's the verb they work on writing good sentences they do some math drills and then they also learn um through the institute of excellence in writing iew many homeschoolers use this even outside of classical conversations and they learn how to write uh, really good papers. So we usually have a paper to work on. So on a Monday, again, she should be towards the end of her paper writing, right? We should be towards the end of the week. And so we're just editing that paper. We're doing it. We might be diagramming some sentences, talking through some things, reviewing. She might copy some charts. But Mondays are actually probably our lightest school day just because they're, they're kind of done for the week. So um, usually we're done by noon. Sometimes my uh, 11-year-old needs a little bit longer. But then what they do is at the end of the day when they're done with all of their work, that's when they have their reading time. And a lot of times I will literally set a timer and they have books that um, are maybe assigned to them or that they can pick out with my approval and they go read those books for about a half an hour. They come back to me. They tell me what they read, right? And then sometimes we'll get together and we will read uh, about whatever history we're doing. So we have some read aloud books that correspond with what we're learning in history and science and different things like that. So we'll sit together and read some of that. And then my oldest, at the end of the day, she does her trumpet practice because she does she has to practice um, a certain number of minutes every single week. So that's what a Monday looks like. Okay. Now on Tuesday, we have community day. 
So we get up, we pack our lunch, we go to community day, and I actually am the director of our Foundations and Essentials program this year, so I'm like in charge. So we don't get home until about four o'clock. It's a long day, but most of like an hour of that is really just me cleaning up and my kids just hanging out and playing with their friends. Um, so we start that, we leave our house at about eight and we get home at four. So it's a long day. We're done. That's, that's it for Tuesdays on Wednesdays. Wednesdays look a lot like Mondays, except we are doing maybe a little bit more in depth with some things. Why? Because it's all brand new. So we spend a little bit more time on their memory work. And we spend um, a little bit more time on our essentials work, working through all of that, right? Then on Wednesday nights, we usually have church things. We have like a church kind of Bible study or something like that that we'll go to. On Thursdays, uh, we get up and we go to our fine arts co-op. So that one, um, we actually get home about 2.30. We get home sooner than that. But it's a long day. We're all tired because my kids have been in different classes all day. I've actually probably been teaching some classes that day. And so I'm tired. (laughs) We're all tired. So we usually come home and we kind of have a relaxed Thursday. Okay. I should mention that Thursdays after co-op and and Tuesdays after co-op, we clean. We do a little bit of cleaning. Um, We're trying that out this year so that my house isn't chaotic. So on Mondays and Wednesdays, we do laundry. And on thir- on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we clean. And so we clean a certain section of the house each of those days so that the house ends up being completely clean by Thursday. Then on Fridays, which is actually the day that I'm recording this, okay? Fridays, uh, if we are home on Fridays, so uh, we plan a lot of camping trips this week. Uh, or this year. So if it's a Friday when we're home, Fridays are pretty low key. We get up, we have something, we have a breakfast together, right? We do still start school at nine o'clock. We start it the same way. It's the same process as Monday and Wednesday. Um, But then after school, we start to go into rest mode. So um, today, because I didn't clean yesterday, I will have to clean. I will have to do my Thursday cleaning on Friday because I was too lazy on Thursday to do it. (laughs) So, um, but after I'm done cleaning, it's rest day. The rest of the day is rest day. And then maybe me and my husband will go on date night or something on Friday night. But we start to completely unwind and wind down. And what I have found is everybody works so much harder during the week when they know that that rest is coming. And we do kind of practice a Shabbat. So um, if you don't know what Shabbat is, it's Sabbath. And the way that the Jewish people would have celebrated Shabbat is it actually starts Friday evening and goes until Saturday evening. So Friday evening is when we try to completely unplug. We maybe go do something. So uh, tonight, my husband and I are going on a date night. We actually get two date nights this week. I'm so excited about it. We never get two date nights. One of them is a group date night, though. Um, But we get to wind down, do something fun on Friday night. And then Saturday, we we sleep in, we rest, right? We relax. Although next, this Saturday, um, we, my daughter won't be relaxing because she has to go. <laughs> They're, the church is doing a serving event for the youth. And so she's got to get up at 6 and go, <laughs> like, 
paint for somebody or something. Um, so it won't be a Shabbat for her. She'll get to have Sunday off. But um, that's why we're not like super uber religious and strict about it. But we do like to have Saturdays just to to work on the fun things. If we do any work, it's going to be something fun that we want to do, like baking, right? Um, I have these rainwater collection things that I'm going to set up and I'm going to do some baking tomorrow, right? I'm going to make an apple crisp. So these are the types of things that we do on Saturday. And then Sunday we go to church as a family and that's it. That's that's what our week looks like, right? And it's going to change next year because next year, um, my oldest, she's going to have to be more self-sufficient because she's going to start the challenge program with classical conversations. Um, and then I'm going to have to be more involved with my middle child. So every year it shifts a little bit. Every year it shifts and we have to uh, go through our time management priority filter. And if you have never listened to those podcast episodes, I really, really encourage you to go listen to them. But we go through our time management priority filter every single year, right? And we say, okay, what what do we need to do this year to make sure that we're getting everything done that we absolutely need to get done, but that we still have peace and rest in our life? Because friend, you have got to homeschool from a place of peace. You have to homeschool from a place of rest. So um, there are so many different ways and so many different schedules that you can have with your homeschool. You do, I I feel like our schedule is full, actually. I would not want to add anything else to it. In fact, I'd be okay to take a few things out (laughs) still. Um, I, I prefer to have slow homeschool days. I don't love fast and furious homeschool days. I have found that I love to be able to casually open a book with my kids and sit and read. I don't like to feel rushed. And so um, I hope that this was just like you're probably not going to model your homeschool exactly the way that we do ours. Your schedule is not going to look exactly like ours. But I hope that just kind of seeing what it is that we do, maybe it inspired you to change something about yours or just gave you like a fresh idea. If Maybe if the only thing that you took away is, hey, start your day with God, <laughs> it's going to help a ton. Um, we also, we homeschool at our dining room table. I have tried, I have desperately, I have tried so many times to have a homeschool room. When we lived in South Dakota, I did. I set up an entire homeschool room in our basement and we we just didn't use it. We always ended up back at our dining room table. So finally, a few years ago, I said, whatever, we're just going to embrace this. And so we meet at our dining room table. There's a dry erase board set up in our dining room. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Um and that's where all of our homeschool stuff is. So that's that's what works for us is dining room table. So um, I hope that this podcast helped you. If you have any other homeschool questions, ask them to me inside of Mom Binder Masters. I'd be more than happy to answer them. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a great week. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Kingdom Mom Podcast. Don't forget to check out our free training, The Ultimate Mom Binder at kingdommompodcast.com. See you next time, Kingdom Mom.